Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut grand opening of Mad Villain Bistro Bed and Breakfast Bar Grill Cafe Lounge on the Water, where we offer you the finest of the finest things. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Terry Talks podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Clayton Terry. I'm Ryan Terry. And I'm Ethan Terry. Today, we will be discussing our thoughts, criticism, and praises of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are just going to go through all the movies in the order that they came out and kind of discuss our thoughts. And then we're going to also, at the end, talk about where we think the MCU is going to go from here. Um, now that the Infinity War has been out for a full month, we felt like we would have this conversation, but we're going to start all the way back with 10 years ago with 2008's Iron Man. It made $318 million at the domestic box office, $585 million globally, and the IMDb plot summary, after being held captive in an Afghan cave, billionaire engineer Tony Stark creates a unique weaponized suit of armor to fight evil. Now, I have not seen the, like, Phase 1 or 2 movies in a long time, whereas my co-hosts have. So I will be relying on them if you want to take it away. So, Iron Man 1, uh, it's great because it set the standard for the MCU just in general. Like, it's a very fun movie, and the thing that it does best is getting the character right, and that's Tony Stark, obviously. And I don't think any of this would happen. This podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Robert Downey Jr., even John Favreau, Kevin Feige, they did a lot of work in this movie, and it shows. It's also worth noting how good of a template this movie is to build upon, because mm-hmm. it's like it's a very like rewatching it. Maybe maybe it was very special at the time, but now since there's been so many origin stories within the same universe, it's it's very obvious that it was a setup for what would later come, like Captain America and Thor. Even if those movies aren't as good, they they all hit similar plot points. Mm-hmm. And um, again, just Robert Downey Jr.'s character is the reason the movie is was so successful. And uh, I mean, it didn't have a script really. Did yeah, it? I was I was gonna say the interesting thing is that so the movie eighty percent of it or something was improv, right? Like they didn't have a solid script when they were uh, recording, when they were filming, and. Just the fact that that movie has been so influential into not only what the MCU looks like, but what movies in general look like. Like, who knows if we'd have, like, the franchise Star Wars that we have now. We probably wouldn't have the DCEU if it wasn't for Iron Man. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's really interesting that this movie was kind of, like, I wouldn't say quickly put together, but wasn't, like, set out to be incredible. But yet it has influenced so much of what the modern landscape of film looks like. I mean, we wouldn't have the Dooku. So I know, yeah. R.I.P. and Peace Dooku. And what this movie does right is what Marvel is, is known for, and that's definitely nailing the character. That's why the DCEU fails. That's why all these franchises yeah. fail, in my opinion, because they do not nail the character correctly. Yeah. Well, it's also like the perfect tone, because it's hard to have such... And the, part of the problem with DCEU is that it has such an oppressive and suffocating tone mm-hmm. with how dark it is, mm-hmm. that when you have a movie that's can have fun with itself, especially mm-hmm. in the action genre. It allows for so much more um, to work off of, especially with future installments. Like, And then they just go like completely off the rails in terms of comedy and like lightheartedness in movies like Guardians of the Galaxy. 
So, speaking of future installments, if we're all set with Iron Man, the next movie, also coming out in 2008, I think it was like just a couple weeks after Iron Man, is uh, The Incredible Hulk, starring Edward Norton. Uh, it made 100 and 134 million domestically and 263 million globally. Um, that is the lowest of the MCU for both domestic and global, kind of unsurprisingly. Uh, the IMDb plot summary, Bruce Banner, a scientist on the run from the U.S. government, must find a cure for the monster he turns into whenever he loses his temper. Now, unlike Iron Man, I think this movie fails in almost every aspect. <laughs> I think it's boring. I think Edward Norton's character is awful. I do not like Liv Tyler. I, Granted, I don't like Liv Tyler in anything I've ever seen. <laughs> but it's just all the characters are boring. Everything about this movie is boring. It's not... It's not funny, and not that it needs to be, but it's the action's not compelling. Nothing is compelling about this film. It's hard to believe it came out the same year as Iron Man because mm-hmm. it looks terrible. It really does. Like it's like when Abominations in the movie, it looks terrible. Like, and they have so many like, with the exception of uh, Lip Tyler, they have so many good actors in this movie that I feel are wasted. Like Edward Norton, Tim Roth. Um, I don't remember who plays Ross. But he's, I mean, he's... Is he the one that's, like, in Captain America later? Yeah, he's in Civil War. Mm. I think he was was fine acting. But Edward Norton, I think, honestly, is not... Like, there's times there was was trying to be jokes in this movie, and they Mm. fall so, so flat. And then even the action sometimes falls flat, especially because it's, like, the CGI fest. There's, like, there's this one shot, I don't know if you remember. But uh, is it Tim Roth? Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Roth. uh, His character, so he, he drinks, like, equivalent to Soldier... Super Soldier Syndrome, like serum, I guess, okay, syndrome. Yeah. And then uh, he goes and uh, attacks the Hulk. And so it turns into a slow-mo, really bad CGI. He, like, punches <laughs> under Tim Roth. And Tim Roth does, like, a flip, like, kicks him in the face, and it's all this crap. And then uh, probably one of my favorites, you know, see you. The Hulk kicks him into a tree, and you see Tim Roth's face get, like, all, like, mutilated. Oh, yes. His neck breaks. <laughs> probably one of the most gruesome things, but I was so relieved because I was like, oh, Tim Roth's dead. And then he comes back, and that yeah. sucks. Like, there's a reason, like, Edward Norton's a good actor, mm-hmm. but he works best as, like, this, like, very quiet, reserved, like, just beat down Wes guy. Anderson, he works good in Wes yeah. Anderson. Wes Anderson films, Fight Club, he's amazing. I'm sure he's good in American History X, but I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. And, um, just, like... I don't know. It just seems like this movie was doomed to fail from the start. Yeah, so kind of speaking on that point, I don't remember this movie at all, but uh, I have seen it. Um, and what I find most interesting is that, like we talked about, it is the lowest um, grossing film domestically. And it probably still would have been considered a failure given its budget. Mm-hmm. But $263 million globally is the lowest MCU film. Like, a lot of movies would kill to make that kind of money. Yeah, yeah. So I think that just kind of captures how impactful these movies have been to the mm. culture of the last, like, ten years. Is it technically a sequel to the Ang Lee film? No. I don't think so. No, I think okay. it's a reboot. It well, yeah. well, that's the thing that's kind of weird is they, like, they treat the movie as if it's a sequel. It's not an origin story, but I, trust me, I if it was I, an origin story, I would. I would hate it even more. <laughs> I wouldn't want an origin story. It's just the way it's presented to the audience at the beginning. It's like they already know. And, like, we have no reason to care about Bruce Banner as a character. And it just kind of drops us in. I don't know where. I don't remember where they are at the beginning. I actually kind of like the beginning. I actually don't mind the beginning. I think the beginning is the best part of the film. I like the way it's sh- shot. shot. I just think it's boring. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a, it's an interesting location. Boring is the best this movie can get. It's better than the university or, like, just new another city, another nameless city. Yeah. Moving on into a movie that other people 
also are not crazy about. Um, Iron Man 2. This came out in 2010. It made $312 million domestically, $624 million globally. Oh, that's exactly double. I just realized. That's weird. Um, and the IMDb plot summary. With the world now aware of his identity as Iron Man, Tony Stark must contend with both his declining health and a vengeful madman with ties to his father's legacy. I always had a memory of this movie. Maybe it's because people said it's bad, but I remember this movie being boring, bad, just stupid, a lot of things. Like, I heard... Before we were watching, I, I remembered, oh, he made an element. That's stupid. But now, in retrospect, and rewatching it again, I don't think it's that bad. Like, if someone told me, I think it's almost as good as the first one. Not as wow, good, really? but almost. I don't love the first one either. I still think the first one's like a mid-tier, lower mid-tier Marvel movie. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. And what I think it... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, I think we should have talked... I've, we forgot to talk about the problems with Iron Man because, like, a lot of people consider it like a masterpiece. I yeah, so I don't remember yeah. the problems of Iron Man because I remember I saw it as a kid and I seen it like once or twice it, since then, and I really liked it and I still think it's good. But it, what are the problems? It's really good. I think the villain's boring. I do too. And I think the third act yeah. is the one of the weaker parts of the film, which is which is interesting because it plagues the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe for a, phase one, part of phase two, and even like. Even after that, sometimes is that boring villain in third act sucks because I think all the phase one movies except Avengers one have boring third third acts. I think they're all just so boring. And Captain America. Captain America is really bad, but we're gonna go to that later. Mm-hmm. But also, um, this movie is a lot more is a lot of fun. Yeah. But I think the thing it suffers from most is that it's very disheveled. Like it doesn't really know what it wants to be when it wants to be it and there's a lot to juggle in this film and i don't think like considering the first film is uh a lot of it is just improvisation and the next film is kind of set up to avengers to an extent because they introduce more of nick fury they introduce black widow they introduce war machine and um like i didn't like how like Everyone gets pissed at Tony for weird reasons, and he's just an asshole in this film. Yeah. And, like, his arc is to get over that, but it feels like his arc is to get over that. Was to get over that in the first movie, and then again in the third movie. And then also... Yeah. Um, but there are... The movie is certainly uh, very fun. Yeah. And it's... Uh, well, maybe not very fun, but pretty fun. I'm giving it a lot of credit just because a lot of people hate it for reasons I'm not entirely sure of. But, like, the villains are kind of silly. Like, it's not a movie you take, you go in seriously. Yeah. Also, we might like this movie more, rewatching it, because we know we're watching movies after. Like, people oh, waited two years after Iron Man, got the tease of Nick Fury, and then they got this movie with us rewatching it and not remembering very well. I was going Iron Man, and Incredible Hulk, and then uh, Iron Man 2, and then I was immediately going into Captain America or Thor, whatever Thor, it was. Yeah. Well, it's also worth saying that I don't think, like, out of all the Phase 1 movies before rewatching all of them, I think there was two that I was excited to rewatch, And it was Iron Man and Avengers. And I wasn't excited to rewatch any of the other ones. And even in retrospect, I don't really... Like, if I never saw Thor again, I would be really happy. If I never saw uh, Incredible Hulk again, I'd be really happy. If I never saw Captain America again, oh well. Like, it's it's alright. So you bring, up, you bring up Thor, which is mm-hmm. our next movie, coming out in 2011. 
It made 181 million domestically, 449 million globally, and the IMDb plot summary, the powerful but arrogant god Thor is cast out of Asgard to live amongst humans in Midgard, Earth, where he soon becomes one of the fi- their finest defenders. So, this movie uh, went in, not with high expectations, but I remember liking the film. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking it was enjoyable. I, uh, re-watching it, it really did not like it as much as I used to. With the exception of Incredible Hulk, which I don't even really count because it's so, like, different. It's like, shoot by, like Disney Marvel, right? No, no, it wasn't. Well, Paramount had it at the time. Paramount, yeah. But, if we're not counting that movie, since it's so tonally and like, studio-wise and acting-wise, completely different. Um, this is the worst one. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's boring. It's worse than Thor The Dark World. It's wow. unenjoyable. None of the characters you really understand or sympathize with. Honestly, the character I sympathize with most is probably Loki. Loki or Odin? <laughs> uh, uh, Odin, Anthony Hopkins, gives the performance oh of his God. life. He tries so hard in this movie, and it's so funny. I feel so bad. <laughs> I feel so bad for so him. Because his performance is... So- Good. He's an amazing actor. Of course, oh, yeah. I don't need to say that. But he is pouring his heart into Odin in this movie. And it just and not pay everyone off. Everyone else is dry. Yeah. Like, Natalie Portman, dry in this movie. Which I don't... It might be the line she's given, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you bring her up. Because, um, like, Marvel has several of these kind of side love interest female characters mm-hmm. that aren't as strong as they could be. Mm-hmm. But... Um, we keep seeing them, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Pepper Potts is in Infinity War. And I really like Pepper. Uh, oh. Peggy Carter, I think that's her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is she a plot point yeah, in all the future shows, movies. Yeah. And she got her own TV show. And they fleshed her out as, like, a solid character. Oh. And Natalie Portman seems like the best actress of all of them, but she has the worst, like, female like, love interest what of all Paltrow of them. is a good actor. And Haley Atwell. And, yeah, Haley Atwell. Uh, I don't remember. That's Peggy Carter. That's, oh, okay. I think yeah. so. I don't, I don't know anything she's in. We should fact check that. She's in, <laughs> she was in Black Mirror episode, I'm pretty sure. But oh, okay. it's, uh, I just want to say real quick, the relationship between Tony and Pepper Potts is so cute. It really <laughs> is cute. Best, so cute. Best relationship in the MCU, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, like through them in my head too, yeah. 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 When Thor and Valkyrie and Star-Lord, true, yeah. get it going on. Oh, come on. Come on, Star-Lord. But it's, uh, it's so uninteresting. It's so and boring. Like, yes. Yeah, even going into it, like, I, I'm thinking, like, oh, the New Mexico parts are probably going to be boring, but the Asgard parts are going to be interesting, right? No. <laughs> this, <laughs> Not at all. This movie does have one of the funniest jokes in the MCU, and that's when it does. Uh, Phil Coulson, who was in Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 1, walks up to uh, Thor and says, hi, I'm Phil Coulson. He's like, oh, hi, uh, Phil, son of Cole. And they don't acknowledge the joke at all. It just it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> well, we're... There's a racist comment in the movie. Oh too. yeah, they do make yeah. like a Jackie yeah. Chan. They make a Jackie so, Chan joke. And oh, it's, so bad. That was that was when that was when the movie really lost it. <laughs> That's like the third act, though. It was before. No, no, it's like start of the third act and the second act. Okay. Trust me, I had this movie <laughs> great in my head. Yeah. Well, let's try and get through these phase one movies because they're more difficult than the other ones. So mm. the next one we have before the big tentpole movie is Captain America: The First Avenger. This also came out in 2011. It made 176 million domestically, 370 million globally. IMDb plot summary: Steve Rogers, a rejected military soldier, transforms into Captain America after taking a dose of a super soldier serum. But being Captain America comes at a price as he attempts to take down a warmonger and a terrorist organization. This is the second, or actually, this is like the 
third or fourth best movie in the phase one. If we're counting, Iron Man and Avengers. I know, but it's like, it's oh good yeah, movie. good point. Never mind. Cut that out. Honestly, <laughs> this is an enjoyable movie. I think movies like this is the reason why the MCU, mm-hmm. like I look back on phase one and I don't hate it that much. It's yeah. because this is enjoyable. There's a lot of scenes. I really like the second act. The first act's pretty good too. Uh, the third act, once again, falls into that Marvel trap where it's like, oh, it's, just, it's like it turns into a CGI fest and it's so stupid. The way mm-hmm. Red Skull dies is so stupid. He just holds the he Tesseract. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah, the way he vanishes. He just holds the Tesseract and he's like, mm-hmm. power, and then like, <laughs> vanishes. And it's like, oh, that was anticlimactic. But it's also worth noting real quick before, well, I think the movie's pretty good. I think it's fun. It's fine. It's it's as good as it needs to be. It's fine. But it's it's funny. Like, the reason that the Marvel Universe works so well and all these other universes don't work as well is because the movies that are set up to the bigger, better movies are good in their own right. Yeah. With the exception of Thor and Incredible Hulk, these movies, uh, I don't ever call them masterpieces, but they're certainly enjoyable. And, like, I leave the theater... Well, yeah. or in this case, our living room. Uh, <laughs> uh, happy with the final product. Yeah. And I don't go running back to the movie, but I'm like, oh, that was funny. And then, like, mm-hmm. I remember some jokes. I remember some cool scenes. Like, mm-hmm. the whole, he does the whole propaganda scene when yeah, he first becomes the super, that. super oh, that's soldier. Very enjoyable. And, like, uh, it's like Hitler, like, sneaks up behind him and he punches him. It's like, you obviously see him miss the punch. It's like, kapow. It's, it's really funny. It's a, it's charming. Mm-hmm. It it's is charming. Like, it's a, it's a movie that you can see that. The people making it cared about the product. But overall, it's just pretty much fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. It's, again, it's as good as it needed to be. Yeah. And uh, this is another one of the Phase 1 movies that gets, like, a lot of shit. That, really? Like, looking at IMDb ratings, it has, like, a 6 point something. 6.9. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, 6.9. And then, like, Box has really low. And I don't get that. Like, I certainly think it's as enjoyable. It's more enjoyable Thor, easily. And Thor The Dark World, before we get into that. But... I think it's, again, the expectations thing that Ethan yeah. was talking about like with Iron Man 2. Because, like, the second part of this title is the first Avenger. Yeah. Like, you've mm-hmm. waited a long time to see uh-huh. Captain America on screen. And you're excited for Avengers, which you probably knew at this point was coming. Uh-huh. And this movie comes out. And what you get is, like, a fine movie. Yeah. And as someone who's, like, experiencing that now with Star Wars, I can get how frustrating yes. that is. But um, we're going to move past that into the first movie that is not fine. It is exceptional, which is 2012's The Avengers. It made $623 million domestically, $1.5 billion globally. And the IMDb plot summary, Earth's mightiest heroes must come together and learn to fight as a team if they are going to stop the mischievous Loki and his alien army from enslaving humanity. Guys, this movie is like... What sold the MCU? I love this movie. This it is so good. I'd argue this movie is one of the most important movies of the decade. I think we're gonna one look back and people agree with you. What movies in cinematic history? What it, it shaped? Yeah. What we're dealing with now? Mm-hmm. And I say dealing, dealing with because we're because Star Wars is the way it is probably because of this. And the, absolutely. And like the reason Avengers is amazing, and they have. Just the right people. Like, Joss Whedon's the perfect exactly. movie to make this movie. The cast The perfect, perfect director, sorry, to make this movie is so good. The whole cast is perfect. I saw this movie when I was 11 years old, and 
talk about the perfect age to see this movie. <laughs> it Honestly. was it. I still I still remember this movie. I still remember the shawarma scene at the end. I remember thinking it was the funniest thing in the world. Still think it's the funniest thing in the world. It's just this movie is so charming. So I've talked with you guys and my friends about like just our favorite movies, and this movie, Scott Pilgrim versus the World and The Dark Knight, are the two movies I've probably seen most in my life. I would not be surprised if I've seen The Avengers. Almost all the way through 20 times. Yeah, me me too. It's always on. It's always on, and we it's always watch the third act. And I, Oh, the third act is so The third good. act is amazing. It's always as enjoyable. Like, it, there's things like First Class is on a lot, and First Class is nowhere near... Like, I like First Class, but it's nowhere near the quality of this, and this is still a, a joy to watch every The time. attention to detail in this movie is, like, so important to the success of the Marvel Universe, as well as the open-endedness of it. And it's like, it's just like, there's simple, Ethan always mentions this whenever we rewatch it, but there's a scene where Iron Man, where Hawkeye is talking about a corner, and Hawk, and when Iron Man's running by, he pulls up on his, on his uh, helmet the corner that Hawkeye's on. Uh, and draws like a little like 90 yeah. degree angle like thing. It's a weird thing to bring up, but it's just like, they cared so much about this movie. And Joss, yeah. like Joss Whedon... Um, from what I've seen from him, especially Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, this movies are, well, his projects are just so enjoyable and, like, ah, he was the perfect person to do this. And And you could tell he was passionate about it. Yeah. And throughout this, I imagine we're going to talk about some of our favorite MCU moments. When, uh, Bruce Banner, uh, Mark Ruffalo says, uh, that's my secret cap, I'm always angry, and punches him. Woo! (laughs) It is so good. The chills. It's just like so many scenes are like that, you know. Exactly, mm-hmm. like the whole long take of them fighting together. Yes. Oh, oh my god, god, that's amazing! The time Loki catches the thing, then looks at it. Like this is the first movie I liked Loki. Yeah, same. Because like, in 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 uh, Thor, he just kind of sounds like. Even though I just said he's one of the most sympathetic characters in that movie, he's kind of he's kind of pouty. He's right in the sense that Thor's an asshole and needs to learn how to not be an asshole. Oh, yeah. But he's also really pouty. Yeah, <laughs> it like. I don't know. So I think this is the first movie, too, where people started to realize how perfectly cast everyone is. Exactly. So, like, Iron Man's great. Everyone knew Robert Downey Jr. was good from the beginning. But because the other Phase 1 movies were weaker, you may not have realized how good um, Chris Evans is as Captain America because mm-hmm. the movie surrounding it was, wasn't great. But once he's bouncing off, uh-huh. like, his fellow Avengers, uh-huh. it makes you realize that these movies were almost to the T, perfectly cast. I, I think this movie had to get a couple things right. I yes. think it had to get the the dialogue and the interaction between them right. I think that was probably the most important. And then also, there's a couple other aspects, but the, one of the big ones is Mark Ruffalo coming in as the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And I think Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk is great. How they introduce him is fantastic. Everything he does is fantastic. It's like him working with Tony Stark as Bruce Banner. Like rewatching, I didn't remember that too well. And rewatching, I was like, wow, it's like smart Bruce Banner actually doing something. This is cool. Also, they introduced two completely, like, not me, not completely new, well, but they're really just reference. Black Widow. Hawkeye was a reference, and Black Widow was kind of just. Well, Hawkeye, there Hawkeye's in Thor 1. Yeah, Black Widow's in Yeah, but not one. Black Widow does not have a very prominent role. Like, we don't really get an idea of her personality. She's in got a cool too. action scene. She's got an awesome Iron action scene. <laughs> but you, like,. To introduce Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, which in my opinion is a completely different character from Edward Norton's. Oh yeah, definitely. And then um, these two characters, and I care about them, and I still care about them. Like that's that's impressive. It is. Mm-hmm. So I think we could gush about this movie forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we got to move into um, an entry that I think some people would consider one of the weaker ones, and that's Iron Man three, coming out in twenty thirteen. It made four hundred nine million dollars domestically, one point two billion globally. 
IMDb plot summary, when Tony Stark's world is torn apart by a formidable terrorist called the Mandarin, he starts an odyssey of rebuilding and retribution. I do not really like this movie, especially coming off Avengers. I remember seeing it in theaters and being like, mm, I'm kind of dissatisfied, remember, and then even rewatching it. I think it's probably the weakest, and I'm probably alone in this opinion, the weakest Iron Man film. I think it is either on par or better than Iron Man 2, and that's because I believe its plot is more focused, and I care more, maybe it's because of the movies preceding it, but I care more about Tony Stark in this movie. It just seemed, it just seemed more put together, better put together, whereas Iron Man 2 is very, uh, it doesn't really know what it wants to be. This movie knows what it wants to be, it's just what it wants to be is okay. <laughs> I remember enjoying this when I saw it in theaters. It was um, my birthday, actually, and I like invited all my friends and we went to see it. And I remember enjoying it then, and I don't think I've rewatched it since then. But I think this is the movie, coming off of Avengers, where it's like, it really starts to become like a touchstone in my personal like pop culture consumption, to where it's like, I watch YouTube videos about what happens in the comics. I read up on the upcoming movies. Like, this is... Because this is the first movie coming off of Avengers where it's like, oh, like, we're what, doing this. You what's know what next? I mean? Yeah, where I'm like, what's next? Like, this is going to be what I'm anticipating every single year. It's hard coming off Avengers. Like, it's an impossible... And I like Shane Black, but I feel like nothing really s- sold for me in this movie. Mm-hmm. The twist at the end with the Mandarin is... Funny, not satisfying. And the fact that it's just another white dude in a suit, which every Iron Man villain is, and it's just so, like, uninteresting, especially where you can take the Mandarin. And it's like, I don't know. It seems like this movie was trying to be... At the beginning of the movie, it seems like they want to go for this darker edge. He's narrating. And I don't think there's any other Marvel movie where the main character narrates. And he's like, he's like, this is my life story. And it's all this suits getting destroyed. And I don't like, like it. I don't like it. Not uh, one bit. I I don't like it, but I also don't like it knowing where the movie goes, where it's just funny. And it's like, this should be like, after Avengers, this should be a pivotal moment in Tony Stark's career. Especially since the last Iron Man movie we got. You saw into space. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. You saw into space. And yeah. That's gotta mess you up. And this movie, he fights some actor and then a dude in a suit and a yeah, bunch of his fire guards. So, we're going to hop from one weak entry to the next with 2013's Thor The Dark World. $206 million domestically, $645 million globally. IMDb plot summary, when Dr. Jane Foster gets cursed with a powerful entity known as the Aether? Aether? Aether. Thor is heralded of the cosmic event known as the Convergence and the Genocidal Dark Elves. Okay, so I've said with a lot of these movies that I don't remember anything. With this movie, it, I literally can think of, like, a couple shots, and that is it. Like, this is the least memorable movie of the MCU, in my opinion, and also one of the least memorable tentpole blockbusters of the last decade. Walking, well, leaving this movie, I thought, that was better than I thought it was going to be. Thinking about it, I don't... Rewatching this movie when you came back and watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Because I had such low expectations for it. I hate the human characters. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> I'm so glad Two Broke Girls is canceled. Oh, wait. It's not oh, the actress the friend, yeah. yeah, I know, but she just annoyed me so much. The movie is uh, very boring. <laughs> it's, uh... I thought leaving it that... I thought entering it that I, it was going to be worse 
than it was. But now that I think about it, it's just boring. Nothing really happens. The human characters are not interesting. It's it's um, very similar to Thor one, and yeah. like just the way I feel about it, it's like it's boring. I don't. I most of the comedy doesn't land. Uh, I don't think the visuals are that stunning. Like and just like Thor one, the best part of this movie is Loki, and he's not not in it enough to save the movie. So I think we could probably move on from that. Um, the next one. I think, in my opinion, this is where it gets it starts to get really, really solid. Captain America: The Winter Soldier coming out in twenty fourteen. This movie made two hundred and sixty million domestically, seven hundred and fourteen million globally. IMDb plot summary: As Steve Rogers struggles to embrace his role in the modern world, he teams up with a fellow Avenger and Shield agent, Black Widow, to battle a new threat from history: an assassin known as the Winter Soldier. I think this movie was the first movie, and don't get me wrong, I, you just heard me, I like the other movies of Phase 1, and I don't hate Iron Man 3, it's fine, maybe a little worse than fine, but still, this movie was the first movie where I'm like, it is genuinely a joy to come in and watch these MCU movies, like, I, this is when I start expecting really good movies, This movie not really good, but fun, enjoyable, and pretty good movies. I think this movie's great. Yeah, and I uh, I think it's one of the stronger entries in the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, and one of the reasons I think that, for example, Civil War, after this, Steve Rogers works so well as a character because he's, like, he's pretty vanilla. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, so all the interesting stuff can happen around him and he can react to it. He can, you can put him in any situation and he can react to it. And it, it works so well as him... Kind of as an audience surrogate as well, because he's unfamiliar with the world of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the same way that we are unfamiliar with the world of S.H.I.E.L.D. because he's been frozen for however long. So it's like, and also watching him form uh, working relationships with Falcon and Black Widow, it's just like... Nick Fury. Nick Fury. Like, seeing, it's an ensemble cast, kind of, from the other movies. And it's just, like, it's so enjoyable. Yeah. And it's, like, a complete story to itself. Like, I could watch this movie by itself and not watch oh, yeah. any other movie and be completely happy. It's just, it's it's very, it's very enjoyable. I also think this starts, well, maybe not starts, but it is very clearly not necessarily the superhero genre. Like, it is that, but it's also very much a spy espionage thriller. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And it leans into the, the genre and those tropes a lot. And I think that... Is to its benefit. And then that's mm-hmm. when we start seeing the diverging genres, which we've talked about a lot, but like Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy coming up, that's a comedy space western. You've got mm-hmm. Ant-Man, which is a heist movie. The Thors and Black Panther, arguably, which are kind of Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we never get sick of these movies yeah. is because they're so similar yet so different, if yeah. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like this movie is a little more serious than like I compare it to like a Mission Impossible. Movie. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, like maybe a little more serious than Mission Impossible tends to go, mm-hmm. or at least recently. But um, yeah, it's just like it's just so it's just so enjoyable. Yeah. And like the villain is the Winter Soldier is such a good villain. Oh my god! And yeah, like they their Marvel Universe has not been known for its villains. Is it? We didn't even talk about how bad Thor 1 and Thor 2's villains are. Yeah. They're terrible. Malekit. I remember yeah. his name. Isn't that impressive? I don't remember the villain from Thor 1, and I only it's remember the, the Frost Giant. It's the Frost Yargin. Yargin. Isn't that a kid? frozen character? That's well, the hot fuzz guy. Didn't you always say, like, Yargin? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, also, bringing back to some of the best MCU moments, uh, the elevator scene, fantastic oh fight scene. I think that's mm-hmm. when... Russo Brothers oh really God, cemented that they, they can do action and they can do it well was in this movie. And then also, 
Oh, this was really cool. I was just thinking about it. When Nick Fury's in his apartment and he's playing classical music and then he's holding up, he's like, he's like lying, but then holding up the truth and it's like, shield is compromised. Don't trust anybody. Oh, and then he so dies. The neck dies in yeah. quotations. I just want to say something real quick about Dark Elves and Frost Giants. I think it's hilarious that whenever they show us like a villainous race, we never see like the children or like the schools or like how their society works. They're just all giant and evil. <laughs> they all just like roam around a bunch of rocks. Yeah. Or like <laughs> sit, sit on big chairs. Like I'd be evil if Asgard, they're living in this nice thing. Everyone's wearing like yoga yeah. and I'm living in uh, literally ice rocks. They, they, they take root <laughs> as electives. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like they have public schooling they and have dark the, elves have rocks. They're so advanced they can have electives. Yeah. <laughs> the dark elves are worrying about <gasps> food and shelter. <laughs> So we're hopping from one memorable, high-quality entry to the next, 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy. 333 million domestically, 773 million globally. A group of intergalactic criminals are forced to work together to stop a fanatical warrior from taking control of the universe. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but uh, but I'm a fan of this movie. Oh, really? It is, <laughs> I didn't get it it is probably my third or fourth favorite movie of all time. I Same. Ours fucking... Too love this movie so much this movie is a masterpiece in uh comedic writing and getting you to care about characters that are introduced like 15 minutes in and it's like i don't i don't know how they do it it's just such i'm getting giddy picking i know me too because i'm thinking of like I cared about Star Lord by the time that Guardians of the Galaxy like introduced me. That's that's my favorite shot in the MCU. Really, probably wow. when the guard. If I made films, all my movies would start <laughs> like this. It's like, it's it's a like tease of the music. Like it's kind of quiet. You hear from his like earbuds. It's kind of quiet. It's like him mouthing it, and then it's like he starts dancing. It's not like it's like a subtle dance, and then it's the Guardians. <laughs> yeah. It's so big, such a oh my god, I love it so much. So much of this movie is so uh, memorable. These are the best characters in the MCU. I'd argue. Yeah. And like I, some of them were. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> but it's just like you care about Rocket Raccoon after one scene, yeah, and it's like, or maybe two scenes at most, and it's like it's like uh, I like the simple things in life. Yeah, uh, like, like how much is this gonna hurt? And then it does a shot of the gun like pulling out, and the camera pulls up. Ooh, fantastic! Great like CGI every, for the most part. Oh my god, yeah. It, I mean, it's only four years ago, but like Groot and Rocket, like. Okay, just look real. Uh-huh. They use I mean? their powers so creatively, too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, again, another problem with DCEU is that they don't use the characters' powers creatively at all. But with the MCU, like, the one scene where uh, they're all talking about the plan and group yes. goes grabs the berry, it's like, it's just so enjoyable. It's like, and we've I'm... known these characters for like 30, 30 minutes. And like, there's so much banter between them. And it's just so, and it's so like... cool to inter- see them interact. And that's like Edgar Wright visual comedy, which um, I know we personally like so much, yeah. but that's so much funnier than like any quip you can make with dialogue. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And I think this movie works so well because it takes all the aspects I already loved from the MCU, which is like comedy, for the most part, pretty lighthearted. There's some dark moments in this film. And then it also takes what I love from Star Wars, it just being a space western and yeah. the the look of it and then it also adds a whole new element that I, it, it's kind of hard to explain mm-hmm. the comedy especially yeah. is like it adds so much to the characters when you see like uh rocket raccoon and Groot fighting together and like rocket shooting on Groot and then gamora <laughs> attacking people and it cuts to star lord talking to someone mm-hmm. he's like you want my what <laughs> like trying to guess like it's Best so shot. funny 
where Rocket hops on his back and uh, is like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, slow. It's it like, like, just slow. It, like, cuts the sound for a second. I cuts the sound, but, like, there's a sound yes. just so you can hear him go, oh, yeah. And then he cuts the sound. Oh, it's so, so great. Good. Like, this movie had no right to be good. Like, it no. is superhero comic it's book characters that no one cared about. It's the guy who made Scooby-Doo live-action movies. Parks and, and Rec. <laughs> I know. The Parks fat guy Rec. from Parks and Rec. And it is, like... James Gunn's vision had very much influenced even Infinity War. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. all the space I mean, he scenes produced Infinity I'd War argue, are very James Gunn. I'd argue it's influenced, like, every facet of what Disney is doing now with their franchises. Yeah, Like, honestly. the way they interject comedy within the Star Wars universe, I think, is very Guardians of the Galaxy. Or like, trying to be. Yeah. Or trying to be, yeah. Like, the way, like, at the beginning of Last Jedi, when Poe's talking to uh, Hux, it's, it's like something Star-Lord would say. Yeah, it's, yeah, you're it's, right. It's weird, but it's like, I don't know. It's just so weird to see a movie that no one was expecting to be as good as it was become, like, the most influential film, one of the most influential films in the franchise, and in franchises in general. Before we move off of this, I'm curious personally, and I think it would be a good thing to mention in a podcast like this, mm-hmm. is this your favorite MCU movie? Because I know for a fact it is mine. Yes. So, Ethan... Is it yours? Oh, yeah. Definitely, really? I, I was interested if Infinity War knocked it down. Uh, I really like Infinity War. I think when I... But the problem is with this movie, I don't immediately think MCU. Like, I think it's a great movie. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand it has Thanos, has Infinity Stones, has a lot of MCU parts. Yeah. But it doesn't... It doesn't bring the same emotion that an MCU movie does. It's weird to see these two worlds clash because, to me, the Guardians have been kind of separate because of my love for them. Mm-hmm. And I like to, before we, I'm just going to say, before we get into two, I like it more than these two do. Yeah. So, like, it's just, like, I want the solid trilogy of movies that I can love. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. It's kind of, I, I don't mean that as a bad thing, but it's, like, uh, it's weird for me to see them introduced into Avengers since it's, like, it's, like, two different worlds to me, despite the fact that they're so connected. I get that. And it's, like, I'm still very happy with what we got from Guardians, but... I think that was worth saying because of... But that's a really interesting point you bring up, Ethan, uh-huh. is that so many movies, like, I didn't see The Mummy, but I imagine it's like this. It's like, oh, you're trying to set up a franchise. Yeah. Like, Solo was like this. Oh, yeah, And it's definitely. like, you see it, and it's just immediately, you're like, oh, you lost me. But then, this movie has so much shit that could have gone really poorly. Yeah. Like, oh, well, Infinity Stone flipped there. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, like, specifically in terms of setting franchises up. Like, it's oh, like, yeah. oh, Thanos. Oh, we know he's for later movies. You're just trying to sell more tickets. But I, that ne- that thought never even occurred to me. That's how well they incorporate There is one problem I have with this movie, and I have it with the other Guardians, and I have it with Infinity War in some moments. I think Nebula is the <laughs> stupidest character in the MCU. Her, I, like, and I don't want to make fun of her voice, but the actress doesn't actually talk like that. She's, like, she's trying to do like this robotic, like, yeah. but like there's one time when she's talking to Thanos, she's like, Thanks, Dad. <laughs> like walks away, and it's so bad. Yeah, but that's not a big deal in this movie, since she's really just a side she's, villain. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's like Top Goon. Yeah, she's Top Goon. But so I could talk about this for hours. I know. I was gonna say. So we're 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 mildly big fans. Um, no, but we're gonna now move into a movie that's a bit more controversial, especially in hindsight, mm-hmm. and that's Avengers: Age of Ultron, coming out in 2015. This made 459 million domestically. 1.4 billion globally. When Tony Stark and Bruce Banner try to jumpstart a dormant peacekeeping program called Ultron, things go horribly wrong, and it's up to Earth's mightiest heroes to stop the villainous Ultron from enacting his terrible plan. Uh, this movie is the definition of fine for the MCU. Like, I wasn't 
like even I was when did they come out? Did you say twenty fifteen? Uh twenty fifteen, yeah. I was fourteen when I saw this movie. And even walking out of it, I was like, Wow, not as good as the first. It was, it was just mm-hmm. I was slightly disappointed. Like it doesn't do anything. Because I talked it about it doesn't have to exist. I we, don't feel like Because we were talking about how much Joss like how much I liked Joss Whedon's style in the first film. I think it's clear in this film that he was kind of obligated to make it. Yeah. Because he, like in interviews, he talks about how much he did not enjoy making this film. This was not the film. You got time, time strains. Yeah, time constraints. And, uh, you know, it's just like, it's a film that exists. It's it's an enjoyable film. But it's a film that exists because it has to. It's a setup for Uh future movies, including Civil War. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, it adds a, it adds a lot of characters I like. Like mm-hmm. I like Vision. I like Scarlet Witch. I like Quill Silver for like a scene for how long, how long he's in the movie. Maybe like a couple minutes. <laughs> he was shot. He was better in Days of Future Past. Hawkeye. This is Hawkeye's movie. Like oh like yeah, we said this is Hawkeye. Hawkeye, uh, Hawkeye's the funniest part of this movie. Even the most compelling part. He has like this this uh, one scene with Scarlet Witch, and it is re- it's might fantastic. be the best scene in the movie. Honestly. Oh yeah, where he's like. Either you stay in this house or whatever, or you walk out and venture and you go fight. And then Scarlet Witch goes out and she does. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Just like, oh, and up. she goes to like mess with his mind. He's like, no, not again. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Hawkeye uh, is underappreciated. Like he's yeah. really good. Talk about best scenes in the MCU. I I forget about this one, but it's, but definitely the best part of the movie in my opinion. The Hulkbuster scene, so oh, that's cool. That's such a good scene. Really, I remember not liking it in the theater. What? I like I it. I like it a lot. It's so Tony Stark to immediately create a Hulkbuster suit to destroy yeah. Hulk. But when you have stuff like that, you also have stuff like how disappointing of a villain Ultron is. Like I like Ultron oh, as I a like villain. Ultron. I like Ultron as a villain, but he doesn't have a presence. You know, he doesn't. I never feel threatened by Ultron. Also, this is like I like his personality and I like the way he thinks. I just don't think yeah. he is threatening. Yes, I was gonna say there's moments in this movie where I was like, ugh. I do not like that one bit. Like the beginning, the CGI in the beginning of this movie oh, is great, bad, just straight up bad. And then there's yeah. times where, like, it's him being like, "I have no strings," or "There are no strings on me." And, and then, then it, it cuts to Pin- Pinocchio yeah. saying it. I was like, "You don't have to do that." Like, why? Do it's that? very on the nose. Oh, it's weird. It's I like, don't remember. I know it's that. like trying to be like kind of creepy. And it's like it doesn't work. It does yeah. not work for Ultron or the event. It, it could work for Ultron. Ultron could be a creepy And Ultron character. is always making jokes throughout yeah. the movie. Like he's never like he's threatening kind of. Yeah. Like, he's never like I'm never worried for the event. Yeah. I'm never like oh Ultron's gonna win. I'm like oh Quicksilver no. I was yeah. only worried for Hawkeye just because of like narratively it seemed like they were gonna kill Hawkeye. I think Hawkeye. they were. I think they were. I think they were. I think they, were and they probably didn't test well or something or maybe yeah. they needed him for an upcoming movie. I mean he's in Civil War so. Which he sucks because now that Disney owns Quicksilver they can't it's fine if they start doing the cool Quicksilver scenes because those are the best part of the X-Men movies. Yeah, they can just take mm-hmm. it. I know. They, oh, it's so cool. But. So I think final thoughts on this movie. Like, it's good. It's better than almost every single Phase 1 movie with the exception of, if you don't include Avengers, obviously, mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I think but it is much weaker than an Avengers 2 should have been. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, going about 180 degrees away from Age of Ultron, we have 2015's other entry into the MCU, Ant-Man, 180 million domestically, 519 million globally, armed with a super suit with the astonishing ability to shrink in scale but increase in strength. Cat burglar Scott Lang must embrace his inner hero and help his mentor, Dr. Hank Pym, plan and pull off a heist that will save the world. I'm going to jump immediately to Ethan because I know other than Guardians of the Galaxy, this is probably his favorite movie. So if you want to take it. This movie 
is bad. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is not very good. I think it's probably the worst. The recent, the most recent, not bad. I, mediocre. I would, yeah, I would yeah. say maybe it's a little it's, below mediocre, especially for the MCU. I would say it's the one of the most mediocre films I've ever seen. In terms really? of like, wow. how it's average so it is. Yeah. So more than like, like the Thor's, like close to Jack Reacher, but not quite Jack Reacher. This, this movie, so I never saw it in theaters. So my first <laughs> time seeing it was in the living room, and I was actually excited for this film. And man, did it suck! The villain, what's his name? Criss Cross? No, it's Chris uh, Cross. Yellow Jacket. I was going to say, isn't it like Honeybee? Oh, no. Honey his, his, like, real name's Cross, though. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think his first name's Chris. Like it's not Chris. Chris Cross. <laughs> it's funny. Chris Cross. But, oh, my God. He's an, how he is an awful villain. And I do... There's parts of this movie I really like. Like, I like um, all the all the times he's small. All the Like, there's a creative mm. action set pieces. But what I really also don't like about this movie is a lot of the movies, like... Oh, I forget the actress's name. Something Lily. Evelyn Lily? It's like there's like a G and N in there, I think. Um, yeah. But she's in this movie. She's the wasp, and she's always like, "Oh, why don't I just get in the suit and do this?" And her dad's like, "No, I don't want you to." And then you, you're just supposed to like accept that and be like, "Okay." And that, that's what this movie is for, like a soft like two acts of the movie. Because he doesn't like, want her to die the way same way his wife did, right? Or something. I guess because she yeah. went subatomic. Yeah. And then and then she's the wasp in the next movie. So yeah. So I'm not as harsh on this movie. I don't think it's great but i think it's fun i think it's like equally as good as like the first avenger equally as forgettable like it has good characters and good scenes but the villain's kind of stupid and the third act's kind of stupid and there's fun stuff that you remember and quote and it's referenced later but overall it's like meh there there is a flying ant that dies in this movie and I turned to Clayton in the theater and I said, that is the saddest death in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is after Quicksilver had died. <laughs> That's true. But Which also, makes it even funnier. it's worth noting uh, that, uh, it's worth noting Edgar Wright's contribution to the film as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. Because he would have made, I think it would have made such a good Ant-Man film. So I, I like to push back on this idea that just because you didn't like a movie and someone left a project doesn't mean that person's original vision you may have liked better. Like all the people that are doing this right now with Solo kind of frustrate me. But having Edgar Wright be one of my favorite directors out there, I can't help but feel like it would have at least been more memorable. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In terms of like visually, like how it was shot and edited. Directing wise, I felt his touches at certain points. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I understand why he just doesn't like they don't allow him to do the movie he wants to do because I imagine it'd be very weird. Like a lot of his movies are just weird and it wouldn't fit in the MCU. And then right after this movie is Captain America Civil War and you need him in that movie. Whatever Edgar Wright would do, it'd probably be a fantastic film, but I don't know if it fits in the MCU. But my question is now that they allow directors like Taika Waititi to make a film, if uh, Edgar Wright would have had more creative freedom at the time. Or now, if they made the Ant-Man film now, or if he would still have to be constrained and wouldn't, would be relegated to, a, like, a co-writer or whatever think, he was. I think this is when they learned their lesson. Yeah. And um, unlike Star Wars, I think they did learn their lesson, and I think they have allowed for James Gunn to just have complete creative freedom on the Guardians trilogy, and for Take Watiti to make a movie as weird as he wants, for them to embrace the weirdo filmmaker and not... Um, disgrace them and kind of push them aside uh, to make a more conventional movie. And I wish Disney would learn that overall. Now we're going to switch into another very strong entry. 2016's Captain America Civil War. $408 million domestically, $1.15 billion globally. 
Political involvement in the Avengers activities causes a rift between Captain America and Iron Man. That uh, plot summary is not saying much, given how much this movie does and introduces and pulls off. It's honestly a miracle. Fantastic way to start the Phase 3. Honestly, yeah. Oh, it's so good. It introduces two characters, Black Panther and Spider-Man. I love them both in this film. They're both like... Two of my top five now. Yeah, me yeah. too. Oh, definitely. I would, well, one of them is my top one, probably Spider-Man. Yeah, same, yeah. I think Spider-Man's, Spider-Man's my favorite character. Spider-Man's just such a perfect it's like, character. Which which is surprising, because they could have messed it up. So easily. Yeah, yeah I know. And, oh, man, he's the, probably the best part of this one. And he's not even in it that long. This movie is the Avengers 2 we deserved, I think. It the is, audience yeah. deserved. Yeah. Because it's 2.5. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the exception of Thor and Hulk not being in it. Um, it's just like, it's... Everything I wanted from an Avengers movie in a Captain America movie. And oh, yes. And I love the what the Russo's brothers do with Captain America is so impressive because it's constantly Captain America, his ideology mm-hmm. failing, and it's really interesting to watch. And that theme carries on. Like, oh, his yeah. ideology failing is very mm-hmm. present in Infinity War. So, uh, another great... MCU moment is the whole airport scene is probably oh I I would argue even still the probably the best sequence in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would disagree. I still think Avengers holds that with the New York battle. Oh, really? But I think that uh, the battle on Titan is it? Yeah. yeah. On uh, in Infinity War and this are all kind of tied up. Yeah. And and the end is really good. It's a really strong ending, especially it's following... kind of dissatisfying. Yeah. Especially following the airport scene where it's like, how could it go further from here? It doesn't try to do a big battle. No, it doesn't. It's such a personal thing. And, like, sure, it's a big... Not CGI face, but a lot of CGI, a lot of effects. And it's a big... It's a fight, but it's a very personal fight. And you... Like, the one scene where Cap, uh, Cap says, Tony, he's my friend. And uh, Tony says, I, I thought I was your friend or yeah. something like that. That whole, whole so long take of them yeah. fighting, which kind of sucks because they ruined it in the trailer, but them fighting, and then mm. it's just like that long take of them beating up on Iron Man. I know. And like he throws Bucky his shield and he catches it and starts beating on him. So, so cool. It's so frustrating because like no one's 100% right or 100% wrong. Like I overall lean towards Iron Man. I do too. Although yeah, in the end, it seemed like Captain America kind of won out yeah. with like a lot of people starting to side with Captain America coming to Infinity War. But. The motive behind Tony Stark's decision, um, I'm more behind morally. Mm-hmm. And also, Tony's character, like, Tony's character is driven by guilt. Yes. And Cap's character is driven by a sense of duty. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to see these two clash, especially because they've been in the same situations, with the exception of maybe uh, Winter Soldier, which definitely influenced Cap's decisions throughout the franchise. They they both were in New York, and they both see the destruction yeah. that happens with the Avengers. This is how you do, like, again, with the DCEU, Batman v Superman was trying to be similar to this. And that just yeah. doesn't work. They're, they establish both of them as having the same ideologies, and it's just not interesting. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. They also, like, this movie, as far as I understand, is pretty faithful to the comics. I think Tony Stark is harder to empathize with. But don't they, like, take shots and... Sequences mm. from the comics? Kind but, of. The The comics vary, like, it's very complex. Like, there's probably, I would say, like, 30 times the characters. Like, mm. 
There's like the whole problem starts with like Robot Thor. What's his name? Ragnarok. Robot Thor's name is Ragnarok, and he like accidentally kills someone because he's a robot. (laughs) And then like Mister Fantastic gets mad. It's like this whole like convoluted thing. I just like say I'm glad I am the Fantastic Four aren't in the MCU. Maybe it's just because I'm such a big fan of the MCU, but they they seem very prom. I know they're very prominent in the comics. They're like the leader of the Avengers. But it's just like they aren't as interesting characters to me. Mister Fantastic is not as interesting character as Tony Stark is. So it's definitely one of my favorite. I think it's all of our one of our favorites collectively. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, moving into another one that is surprisingly underrated in my opinion, also twenty sixteen Doctor Strange, two hundred thirty two million domestically, six hundred seventy eight million globally. IMDb plot summary: While on a journey of physical and spiritual healing, a brilliant neurosurgeon is drawn into the world of mystic arts. That is a Glossing over a lot of this movie that summary, but this movie visually does a lot of things that like were surprising to see mm-hmm. in the MCU. It's yeah, definitely. Very pretty. I think this the special effects is what makes this movie great. And then on top of the special effects, there's also like a relatively compelling narrative, uh great acting, mm-hmm. really cool action set pieces. The, there's no lull in the film. Oh yeah. This and movie moves. This movie's moves. It does, yeah. And it's, I think characteristic of the phase three. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I uh, pretty good pacing. Mm-hmm. It's very uh enjoyable. Oh yes. It's, it's such a even like my favorite fight in the movie is the scene in the uh New York Sanctum. That fight especially since like Doctor Strange is Strange is still a trainee at that point. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's a very creative set piece. The way they use the coat, the way they use the uh the hallway moving Mm-hmm, and tilting yeah. and oh, yeah. he he doesn't he doesn't like he doesn't attack people he tricks them into like jumping through the portal it's it's very creative and this movie's funny it's yeah, like, it very is, funny yeah. and like it's serious at times but it's also all the comedy or most comedy lands the mm-hmm. whole the whole end is basically a joke like Dormammu have come to bargain but it works very well yeah and this is a continuation of that incredible casting like I think all of oh, us were excited to definitely. see Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh God, yeah. I'm excited to see Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah. But he really works for this character. And I was... it's He's super similar to Iron Man. And this oh, movie... Definitely. Yeah. With the... Ex- like, obviously, it's very unique visually. But in terms of bare-bones plot, it's very similar to Iron Man. Definitely. And even Thor with the arrogant guy that gets kind yeah. of humbled mm-hmm. by a crazy situation. Benedict Cumberbatch, like, bouncing off of Tony Stark or Doctor Strange bouncing off of Tony Stark, which we see later, is so good. And this movie sets up that character so well and the visual style associated with him. And also part of the uh, thing that this movie does that separates him from Tony Stark, most notably, is that he is tragic. And I don't think I ever got a tragic feeling from Tony. Yeah. And in this movie, like, he's an arrogant asshole, but you also kind of feel bad for him. Like, I, yeah. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't entirely think Doctor Strange is better off becoming the sorcerer. No. Or, does he become sorcerer supreme? No, he doesn't. Just a sorcerer. He, he, he becomes the leader or guardian of the sanctum, not leader. It's another really strong entry. It's unfortunate that people don't give this the credit that it's due. Like, I feel like some people would well, put this in the same vein as, like, Ant-Man. It's hard when there's three movies coming out of here. Like, you just get yeah, oversaturated. True. It's like, yeah. especially when Civil War was right before, it's like, I don't have time to think yeah. about this movie. And then the movies following this were, like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Thor Ragnarok, um, like Spider-Man, Black yeah. Panther. So it's like, it's a great movie, but it's a shame it got uh, kind of buried. So moving on, uh, like you were saying, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is next, also 2017. Or this is the first one in 2017. Um, 390 million domestically, six 864 million globally. 
The Guardians must fight to keep their newfound family together as they unravel the mystery of Peter Quill's true parentage. Now, Ryan, I know you feel incredibly strongly about this movie, and me and Ethan both really like it, but I think you should start off. I love this movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's everything I wanted from a Guardian sequel. It's uh, very enjoyable, very funny. I told this to Ethan once. It's kind of like a series had been going for a long time, and this is the standalone movie that they released to the sequel. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And I don't know. There's just, like, the way it uh, unravels characters like Peter Quill and Gamora, and um, this is definitely a Peter Quill movie. It's just so fun and colorful, and I really like the, what they do with the characters, and, like, the scene at the end where Rocket's like, and they still batteries he didn't need. I'd tear up a little every time I see that. Yeah, I tear it's up just the like, ending too. Yeah, it made me care about Yondu. It's just, <sighs> I had this movie at five out of five when it came out, really? and I dro- I dropped it since, but I I really did love it. I think I like this movie probably the least out of all of us. I went in with very very high expectations. I was expecting Guardians one, which might be unfair since Guardians one is fantastic, but this movie. I don't know. I just like the comedy didn't entirely work for me. I don't. I don't love direction. The direction that that some of the characters are going. Like, I think the only character that I really liked in this movie was probably like Drax because Drax really finds his. <laughs> yeah, they make Drax a really likable character in this movie. Yeah, but like, I don't know. And then there's sometimes this movie like it looks really good. Sometimes the like, other times I'm like, this just seems weird. Mm, yeah, I mean this movie. Uh... Again, I've lowered it since because I've I've noted I've noticed some of the flaws in the movie, but it's just it's such a personal movie to me, and it hit me at such like a, a perfect time that like I don't know I I I very much uh, love this movie. I I'd say I love Guardians of the Galaxy too, but I do have some problems with it. My biggest problem, which I've talked about before with you two, is that the first movie they start out as selfish assholes and they work together to be flawed yes but also loving like anti-heroes and they genuinely care for one another and they genuinely care about doing the right thing although they're also kind of greedy and kind of fighting that too and i like that dynamic and i think there's a way to do that and keep building the characters but every single time we see them it's a hard reset you know what i mean like quill is equally as arrogant at the beginning of this movie maybe even more so than he is at the beginning of Guardians 1. And that doesn't make sense. Like, you can have the characters be in the same spot they are at the end of Guardians 1 at the start of this movie and still, like, have these characters grow. Mm-hmm. But it's just so... Because this happens again in Infinity War. It's so frustrating that it feels like over multiple movies, these characters aren't growing in the way I want them to. It didn't frustrate me much in this movie. It frustrated me in Infinity War, especially yes. with Peter's character. But I guess the character it's most notable here for is Rocket. Because, like, yeah. Rocket in the beginning of the movie is very clear that he's kind of an asshole. He has to go through the arc of... With Yondu, he goes through the arc of uh, genuinely empathizing and finding someone who can he can relate to since they both have... Well, I guess everyone in the story has, like, abusive pasts. Mm-hmm. But I think those two the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, Yondu's arc is really good between the two movies. And Rocket's kind of makes sense. Like, he has a family now, and that mm-hmm. makes him uncomfortable. So his reaction makes sense. I guess my biggest thing is Quill... And the fact that he doesn't grow as much as I'd like. Well, that's what I like about Quill's arc is that, like, he needs to learn to grow up. And that's something he's never had to do. Yeah. And um, in this movie, he finds his dad and he thinks he could just be a kid again. 
and he can be the god that he want that his dad expects him to be and then he realizes he can't because he has he has responsibilities he has a family he has people he needs to look after he does yeah. and um this also feeds into gamora's arc uh, gamora and Pyrrhus arc where they can't in a relationship isn't expected like they have to like peter has to work to become a more uh responsible person they have to earn it yes which is uh which I like. So now we're into the first movie of one of our favorite characters, Spider-Man Homecoming 2017. 334 million domestically, 880 million globally. Peter Parker balances his life as an ordinary high school student in Queens with his superhero alter ego Spider-Man and finds himself on the trail of a new menace prowling the skies of New York City. This movie is fantastic. It is everything I want from a Spider-Man film. And then so I think, mm-hmm. I think it's up there with movies like, probably like Civil War, and like yeah. I think it's closer mm-hmm. to Civil War than probably like Doctor Strange and stuff. It's just oh, it's so fantastic. Tom Holland, all, everyone in it, Michael Keaton. Uh, mm-hmm. I forgot the dude who played Ned. It was just his birthday recently. But oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and people always like to make fun of MCU villains. They're like, oh, they're all terrible. Well, except for um, female Vulture, and mm-hmm. except for Thanos, and except for Claw and Killmonger. Oh, and except for Hela. It's and the like, Winter Soldier. And the Winter Soldier. Loki. Yeah. Like, they have a lot of good villains. Uh-huh. And I think the Vulture is another really good example of that. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think you the empathize problem. with what he does and you understand, like, how mm-hmm. he got to the place he's currently at with while still disliking him. I think the Vulture is a perfect villain for a movie like this because it's small scale. You mm-hmm. know, it's not a it's not a Ronin. No. It's not a... And he always mentions Ultron. that. He's like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the little guy. I'm like you. Yeah. And he's always saying that to Peter. And, really, the, and you understand where he's coming from. Yeah. I, I also just want to say with the villains thing, I think people's problem also comes from the fact that they're not never threatening a lot of them. Yeah, but that's but, more like a question about stakes and tone yes. to me than it is villain. Mm-hmm, yeah. I agree. But like this movie is so like the things they do with Spider-Man are like what I always wanted a Spider-Man movie to be like. Like it's it's a John Hughes movie, essentially. It is. So I was going to bring up that point is The Breakfast Club is... I go back and forth with a couple different movies, but that's also one of my all-time favorites. And this movie captures that for the 21st century and, like, the Gen Z millennial age mm-hmm. so well. Like, the video newscasts oh, are so, so funny uh-huh. because, like, every high schooler is like, oh, I, I can recognize that cringeworthy stuff. <laughs> they have the one where the teacher's like, we're not losing a kid. Not since the last time. <laughs> he just kind of looks off and it stays on it. It's like this awkward comedy. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's it's not common in the MCU to see like this this awkward like office type comedy. Yeah, and it's it's just it's just so enjoyable. And I watch. think this is one of the most recent films in the MCU that was set up to like for me not to like like Spider Man movies. Almost all of them I've been kind of like kind of iffy on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like some the of Sam Raimi. Then some of them are like, downright terrible. Yeah, and then Andrew Garfield never really just sold me it was just they weren't great movies i liked andrew garfield's character but i never thought of him as spider-man he's not the spider-man in my head well i think the oh what? it's not his fault yeah at all but i think the big the best decision they made is casting a genuine kid yeah like a kid that is age appropriate like he was Mm. he is like one year older no actually i think he just turned 20 so i might be a little older than him which is so weird because I should be younger than Spider Man, but I'm not anymore. That's cool. Um, kind of upsetting. Why don't you? It is upsetting. <laughs> you can't I be Spider Man anymore. Holland. I would give so much. Um, no, but where was I going with this? It'd spoil everything for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he would. I could talk to him. 
Um, he, they, they were so smart for casting that oh, because yeah. not mm-hmm. only is he a kid, but he feels like a kid. Tom Holland in real life acts like yeah. a kid. What he, what he's talking about? How he went to the school? Like, yeah. like gave, one person was like, "Want no secret? I'm Spider Man." It's like he definitely tells people yeah. that. I, I love it so much. I've made this argument before. Um, that the Sam Raimi movies are like good movies, but they don't get the character of Spider-Man right. And mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man is closer to the character of Spider-Man, oh, yeah. but, but the movies are much movies. worse. Yeah. And this movie is the first that like, okay, it's a good Spider-Man and he's surrounded by a good movie. Cause and that's sh- so refreshing. I actually liked Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. Really did. I yeah, thought, me too. I thought he was good. The, the problem with Spider-Man is he's, he's the geek. Yeah. And, okay. but he's also like quippy and funny mm-hmm. and like cool and everyone kind of wants to be him. And it's hard to do both of those things. So the Sam Raimi movies went only for the geek and for um, the Andrew Garfield movies that was only like the cool guy. Yeah. And this movie, Tom Holland balances both well. Like when he's in school, he's nerdy and like not, he's kind of made fun of. I like the way they handle bullying in this too because it's yeah, just it's people like, within your clique. Yeah, yeah, it's like annoying. Also, one of the coolest MCU moments is in this movie when he opens the door and Vulture's there. Oh my god. Yes. The enti- that is so cool. The entire theater went mm-hmm. silent and you heard one person say, oh shit. <laughs> it genuinely so surprised yeah. everyone. I know. I think that really is what cemented Vulture as well. Mm-hmm. And I just want to talk about two key scenes for me mm-hmm. that really stuck with me. The first was the directing when um, Vulture figures out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Oh. The oh, yeah. light on him mm-hmm. goes from red. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It goes from red, the reflection, mm-hmm. to green as soon as it clicks. Yeah. And I love that so much. And then this is a scene everyone's talked about, but when he's stuck under all that mm-hmm. rebel mm-hmm. and he's screaming for help, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, your heart just sinks. Yeah, because he's, he's like, a kid. Yeah, you. He he's wants like to be a superhero. You want him to be a superhero, but yeah, he. I think he's 16 because he's 15 in Civil War. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. He's like a sophomore. He's a, that's freshman. 16. No, freshman. I thought he was a freshman. Oh, is he a freshman? No, he's know. not a freshman. But your heart just sinks because you're like, oh man, he's just a kid. He needs to be saved by another superhero. And he looks in the water and is like, I'm going to have to do this myself if I want to be the character I want to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just, I found that so moving because like you talked about, you, you look and... Oh, Steve Rogers, I can never be Captain America. But you look at Spider-Man and you're like, I could be Spider-Man. Yeah, that's the whole appeal of Spider-Man. Every exactly. kid wants to be Spider-Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's definitely the most heartfelt character. Yeah, which is why it was so good for this to be smaller scale. Because mm-hmm. that's just what the character is. Talk about director, directorial debut. I man. know. Yeah, John Watts, right? Is that his yeah. name? Fantastic. Mm-hmm. He did a really solid job. He's doing and the next one. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I can't. Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, hopefully. Hopefully. He's in it, but hopefully it's Mysterio. So, moving on to another movie that was recent that we all loved. 2017's Thor Ragnarok. 350 million domestically, 854 million globally. Thor is imprisoned on the planet Sakaar and must race against time to return to Asgard and stop Ragnarok, the destruction of his world at the hands of the powerful and ruthless villain Hela. Ethan, if you want to take this one away, I know you love this movie. It's (laughs) alright. This movie... It's fantastic. I love... It's what got me into talking about TT. I think what I want to do as a director, if I ever given the chance, is very similar to his style. I love not only directing this movie, I love... I say writing, but he technically didn't write this film, but it's improv. It's... it's yeah. You should credit him. And, like, just... Oh, the comedic timing in this movie, everything mm-hmm. works so well. The visuals. I think this is probably... Like, Infinity War is probably... 
tops this, mm. but this is one of the most visually stunning movies. I think Asgard looks beautiful in this movie. Before talking about the movie, I just like to say I think it's funny that we all have that one movie that we can we all love. Like, because we have Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers before we get to Avengers Infinity War. But we also have that one movie that's very personal to us that we love. And mine's Guardians 2. Yours is Thor Ragnarok. And yours would be, like, I don't know, Spider-Man. Probably Spider-Man. We yeah. all liked it. I, th- yeah. I want to say I liked it the most, probably, but it's hard. Yeah. Because I know you guys really But like also, it. this movie is is funny. It made me want to watch every other thing Taika Waititi made. And which we I'm did. very happy I did. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, except for Eagle vs. <laughs> Shark. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's so fun. And like it made me care about Thor and as yeah. and maybe not Asgard, but Thor, <laughs> and it made me care even more about Loki. And it made it just made the Thor movies like a good solid 10, 15 minutes of this movie is just undoing all the terrible shit that the old yeah. Thor movies did. So I wanted to touch on that. Like I, I do love this movie, but I think I. <laughs> I even looking away right now. She's disappointed in my movie opinion. I think I have the most problems with it. And I think the first act is very slow. And mm. I don't fault Watiti for that. I don't fault the writers of this movie for that. Um, because they had to undo two pretty terrible movies to get to the point they wanted to be at. Um, I don't think visually this is as good looking as you're claiming. I think, oh, really? I think really? both I think Guardians movies. Are you I kidding me? Sakaar looks so great. Sakaar looks great. Sakaar does look pretty good. But I mean like. Compared to the Guardians and Infinity War, I think Doctor it, Strange. I think it looks mm. better than the Guardians. I, yeah. I, I like. Stop. I like Guardians the whole, more. All when Sakaar, Gamora and uh, Peter Quill are talking, and it has like the beautiful space background. I love that. Oh, it's cool! But all the one, all the like set design and stuff in this movie, I, I like. I really liked. All, I liked all the costumes. I just, I loved how all the alien like, races. Yeah, it's just cool. Mm-hmm. This certainly expands in the same way that Guardians of the Galaxy did. This expands the Marvel universe. It does, and it's like. Uh, just, Korg is such a funny character. Oh my god, I love Korg. This is the funniest Marvel movie. It is so enjoyable in that regard. And we cannot talk about this movie about, without talking about two things. First off, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum is <laughs> so fantastic. And then uh, probably one of my favorite MCU moments was uh, Thor coming back. The, the whole bridge scene was just really cool. Mm-hmm. With Led Zeppelin's immigrant song yeah. in the background, fantastic. Yeah. Are you Thor, God of Hammers? <laughs> and so it's like they like usually those kind of like dad rock songs are like, Ugh, okay, whatever. But they use it really well. Yeah. In this oh movie. yeah. And it's the only song they use, so it's like, okay, I tie this to Thor now. That's what before you guys say anything, I'm like Led Zeppelin. Taika Waititi when he pitched this when he like wanted to do this one, he just did a scissor wheel of a bunch of like random stuff, just playing immigrant song in the background. That's kind of what one of his job. It's really interesting. I was just going to say, like, I totally agree that this is, I'd have to think for a second, but one of, if not the funniest uh, Marvel movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's the only one that is, like, just a pure comedy. Like, yeah. It's mm-hmm. more a comedy before it is anything else. But um, there were several moments the first time I watched this, and the second time, where I was, like, laughing, and then another thing would happen, and that laughing would compound. Like, I'm thinking of yeah. the, like, jet sequence, oh, yeah. where he's like, it's my birthday, <laughs> when it goes off on the fireworks. And then they rip someone out of a, like, flying, and the guy oh, makes yeah. a really, really weird noise. And I don't know why, but it tickled me so much the, the first time. The scene where Thor is explaining how Loki turned into a snake oh my God, is I the funniest it. thing in the Marvel Universe. He I said, Vlad, stab me. <laughs> There's so many funny so many parts layers. of this movie. Like, like... Every time I talk about this movie, usually it's some, something different that people are talking about. What was their favorite part of this movie? Like, I think about my favorite joke is either the Jeff Goldblum, like, when he, like, he's like, uh, 
I'm, I, on any other planet, I'd be like 10 million years old, but here, and they just like doesn't say anything, just <laughs> yeah. lose his hands. It's so great. And like, I love the use of music now, because like you talked about Led Zeppelin, Immigrant Song. Like, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh my God, we set didn't it even up. touch on Yeah, that. we didn't even touch on, like, Guardians of the Galaxy soundtracks are phenomenal. We've talked about it so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. And then uh, um, the way they use, like, Blitzkrieg Bop in um, Spider Man. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And then or when they cut to uh, Spider Man in Civil War and they begin with. Oh, Left Hands Free. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah, and it's like Brooklyn. And yeah. everyone immediately knows I remember, like, oh, my God. I remember that moment in the theater because you, you looked at it and then turned and looked at me and I had like a big smile <laughs> on my face. Oh, like, my God. Because we all love Spider Man so much. And then, like, you know, Black Panther, even aside from the fact that, sadly, before we get into Black Panther, they don't use the Kendrick Lamar soundtrack as much as they should. No. But also, just like uh, the musical motifs of the two main characters in Black Panther is like really interestingly yeah. done. Mm-hmm. And um, the way they blend and they clash at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it too much, but man, Phase Three. Like the more we Fantastic. talk about it, the more I realize mm-hmm. like, every single one of those movies is like incredibly rewatchable. Oh, yeah. So enjoyable, oh, yeah. above average for almost all of their blockbusters. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm so grateful we, for the MCU. <laughs> we should talk about Hulk too in Thor Ragnarok because we didn't touch on it. Oh my yet. god, yeah, yeah. Like he is. He's fantastic. Mark Ruffalo, so, once again, great delivery. He's so he has funny. no idea what's going on. Yeah. It's all improv, and it's <laughs> yeah. so funny. He was not a funny. He was not a funny <laughs> character in the other movies. Oh, yeah. and they, this makes him so funny. <laughs> Ethan's just laughing this movie. <laughs> We're gonna be the Avengers because <laughs> you're getting revenge. Yeah. I get revenge. You want some revenge? Uh, undecided. <laughs> 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 he starts acting like Tony because he's wearing Tony's clothes. Yeah, he's like falling <laughs> yeah. Like he wears clothes so, so tight. tight. <laughs> yeah. he'll, he's like, you'll 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 wear a rag and I'll be Tony Stark. Also, this is this the first time clothes. he did the mocap for Hulk, and it's probably I think the Hulk looks the best in this movie because he's yeah. barely in it the Hulk, anymore. Like, like Hulk Hulk. The Hulk has a personality in this movie. Oh yeah, that's he like a little so child. funny. Yeah, he's like the big monster with <laughs> the giant things attacking. Yeah. It's like the first time I'm like, oh, Thor and Bruce Banner are different characters. Uh, yeah, they really are, which is very important in the comics. Oh, yeah. yeah. Moving into this year now, guys, 2018, Black Panther. It made $700 million domestically as of the recording of this episode. It's probably still going on. And that is the highest right now, which is interesting. Infinity War still hasn't beaten it to show kind of how monumental Black Panther was. It's higher than Avengers? Yeah, domestically. Oh, I haven't been paying attention. Um, globally, it's at $1.35 billion. T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, rises to the throne in the isolated, technologically advanced African nation, but his claim is challenged by a vengeful outsider who was a childhood victim of T'Challa's father's mistake. So, I think of us three, I enjoyed this the most. No, the most. Probably. My only real problem, I have two big problems with the movie. One of them is expectations. They don't utilize Kendrick Lamar as much as they should have. Mm, all the movies I, don't utilize Kendrick Lamar. I know, he should be in every <laughs> <Kendrick movie. Lamar. laughs> The fact that I never heard... Kendrick Lamar say all hail King Killmonger I in know. this movie was so disappointing. I wish he had like a cameo. So I just wish he was. I want him to be the villain. The next mo- he said he would do it. Like there really? are moments where yeah. they, there are moments where they play rap songs and like don't they play RTJ? I think. No, I think my theory is that they originally wanted RTJ to do it, and then oh, yeah, that's right. I might have approached them and be like, "I want to do the Black Panther soundtrack," and then they quickly had to like rearrange stuff because all the trailers were RTJ. That's oh, they, 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 that's what they I had been Staples in it. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. The revolution will not be televised. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that a Vince Staples song? So or... I wish they utilized more rap music within the soundtrack. Oh. Obviously, I watched a very interesting video. That's all expectations. Though. Mm-hmm. They released yeah, exactly. an album right before the thing. I watched a very interesting video by Sideways about the two characters' themes, mm-hmm. like T'Challa's and Killmonger's. And it's, it, it, was very, it was very interesting. And I definitely like how they're using music because I, I remember the music in Black Panther better than... or. Most notably Black Panther than any other Marvel movie. Really? Over uh, Guardians? Well, Guardian. I mean, like, original uh, soundtrack. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like and the not, themes. Yes. And, uh... Like the score. score. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because, like... I disagree. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because they have, like... They have an interesting use of, like, um, like African the, instruments. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, that's true. 808s and, like, European influences. Like, the... Uh, T'Challa's theme is an 808 drum machine, um, a talking drum from uh, from African music, and also uh, brass because he's royalty. And it's also the chirping of I forget who, but a certain tribe. Of oh women. yeah, the like I can't, I can't imitate it. But it's like the mm-hmm. that like plays yeah. every time they it's awesome. Him. That they do in Infinity War, and I like lost my mm. shit because I love that. They song. do it in Civil War too. Like, there's there's one. No, it's not the same thing. But he does have a theme. They do yeah. do like an African themed like music yeah. thing, like because mm-hmm. he I forgot like I appreciate Captain America's driving during the like highway chasing. He looks at his mirror and it's him. It's Black Panther. <laughs> it's like it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know what you're talking about. Even though that was a terrible impersonation, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking. about. The composer about. was talking about it, and one of the instruments is drum that you can control the pitch on, and he made it so that the drum says T'Challa at the end of the theme. And that's really cool, I think. I don't know. There's a video from a YouTuber named Sideways that's very interesting. That, uh, I don't know. I just wanted to mention that because I thought that was an important thing to talk about since the Marvel Universe gets harped on for music. And Killmonger, talking about his theme, but also like the writing of that character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even over Thanos. I think he's my favorite villain. Because. It's probably like my second. Because he, second he changes the hero's opinion. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Killmonger mm-hmm. and er, uh, T'Challa ends up agreeing with Killmonger. It's just that. He doesn't like the way he goes about it, so he enacts what his overall goal, but does it in a different way, which is really interesting. I think that's what I found most frustrating about the film, though. Sometimes is that like, so I really like Killmonger, but then, and I really like the I like the themes of this movie, but then the third act cuts to like this pretty poorly CGI battle, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't like that. Like I like when Killmonger and what's in Black Panther are fighting, mm-hmm. but like. I wish it was just them, and I don't because I don't care about I don't really care about the other characters. Like I like uh, you don't like a Koye? I do, but like not a, not enough to. Ryan Coogler is a really good director for mm-hmm. small fights. Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. Like Creed, like all those one on one fights were cool. Yeah, they're yeah. awesome. But is it uh, just me, or do they seem like stuttery? Like while watching them in the film, it's because. Is it because wait? Of... What do you mean with stuttery? What was stuttery? Like the sh- fights by the waterfall. I think it was all like the real actors. Like, and they weren't messing with editing too much because they were like trying to do their real stunts. I don't know, because you know how like sometimes in the other ones it'll be like Captain America throws a punch and it cuts to the guy getting punched. Like this movie let them kind of sit a little bit more. Because I I see what you're saying, and I think it was because of the way Ryan Coogler, Ryan Coogler chose to direct that action. Well, it's also because Ryan Coogler, you know, is used to boxing movies mm-hmm. and. So, and this one is, boxing movie. Well, well, sorry, what's the other movie? Here? Fruitvale Station. Fruitvale Station. So is that a boxing movie? No. no I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what Fruitvale Station is about. <laughs> I, I'm mostly referring... I'm mostly referring to Creed. Yeah. So, my bad. So, I think this isn't related to the MCU necessarily, but I think um, the 
pairing between Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler is going to go down as one of the best like pairings, like Scorsese and um, yes, uh, DiCaprio. Samuel, if they continue to work together, Samuel Jackson and Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way that these directors bring in actors and like um, cinematographers and um, composers that they work with outside of the Marvel universe mm-hmm. regularly is just shows how far reaching this franchise is. Oh yeah, it, it, it makes the it makes each movie refreshing. Yeah. Like, I imagine Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to be very different than Black Panther, and Black Panther is very different than Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, each creator brings their own little touch. And they, I think they learned from Ant-Man. They were like, okay, let's let Ryan Coogler make his Black Panther movie. Let's make mm-hmm. Taka Waititi mm-hmm. make his Thor Ragnarok. You have to check a few boxes, probably, but mm-hmm. overall, it's your movie. Yeah. I think the most disappointing part of this movie, in my opinion, is the comedy. Oh yeah, I don't think I don't, I don't think, think any of the comedy lands in this movie. There's not much of it though, purposefully. I, yeah, yeah. Still not of it lands. And then <laughs> I like some of it. I think my biggest problem with this film, in general, is I wish it focused on Black Panther more because I feel like mm-hmm. this is only an example, but this is very important. Like when he loses the battle and he falls down the waterfall, it should stay with Black Panther and it should be him, like like half dead, picking himself back up, rather than Martin Freeman, his mom, and his sister. His mom and sister and his love interest. Yeah, all trying to save him. Like, I understand why they have that. And it's, maybe it's hard because Black Panther isn't, isn't as witty as the other characters. But I think it'd be a lot more compelling and a lot more interesting if you stick with Black Panther. I 100% yeah. agree. Like, it's him. He wasn't expecting to lose, so it's him dealing with that yeah. emotional trauma and then also mm-hmm. the physical trauma because he's ridiculously hurt. Like, and if it was a more personal story. I don't, I don't view this as a Black Panther film. It's more like a Wakanda film. It is, yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that's because, kind of like you were talking about with Steve Rogers, T'Challa's kind of a vanilla character, because he's kind of like, there's a right way to do things, we're going to do it that way. Um, I'm very mild-mannered, I'm very much reacting to my situation, and I think he's a really good character, and you can have those kind of characters, and especially when they're bouncing off, like, Tony Stark or Falcon or whoever. I'm glad they devoted a lot of time to Killmonger, Killmonger, I... If they made the movie twenty minutes longer, and that was twenty minutes more of T'Challa, or they changed like what you were saying. Well, like I don't, I don't care about Martin Freeman. I don't care about. Sure. I don't really yeah. care. Like I like Shuri, and I like his love interest, and then his top card. But I don't like. I'd rather watch Chadwick Boseman play uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Can we talk about how there's no Sherlock reference with Martin Freeman? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's disappointing. It's like <laughs> I'm just telling you, if watch That's... it's like no shit Sherlock and Tony Stark or Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict Cumberbatch look at him and we're like. <gasps> <laughs> the greatest moment in the MCU. That's so, what it's all, it's all leading up to. I think that kind of naturally brings us into the big one, the one that came out about a month ago, Infinity War. $650 million domestically as of the recording of this. $2 billion globally. That is the highest of all time of the MCU so far. Mm. Uh, it may be like the second highest, maybe even first highest globally of all time. Highest grossing weekend, right? No, like... No. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it? I think so. It was, yeah. It beat Star Wars by just a little bit. Um, the Avengers and their allies must be willing to sacrifice all in an attempt to defeat the powerful Thanos before his blitz of devastation and ruin puts an end to the universe. Man, that, that's a that summary is the yeah. head on. Yeah, that really uh, is. I, uh, don't sacrifice too much. I really, really like this film. I think, I think this movie is the definition of an epic. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever seen an, an epic like this. Like, I think lord of the rings like i like lord of the rings but i don't i don't feel for the characters like i do for this one and maybe this has 18 movies before it yeah so but it is this is i equate this more 
to season six of Game of Thrones than I do any other movie. Uh, I think mm-hmm, David I Chen from the Slash Film Podcast makes a really good point where it's like, we are looking at this movie with old rules. Uh, like, mm-hmm. this is a this is a TV movie. It is an epic, like you were saying. Yeah. Unlike anything we've which, ever seen. Which is why, they, like, critic ratings, I believe, have been so low. Because it's, it's like... 68. On yeah, it's, it's such a... bad, but it's low. It's not bad. Well, it's almost a 62. It's <laughs> such a hard movie to rate. Because it's not its own movie. Mm-hmm. It's the culmination of... What, 17? 18 other movies? 18, yeah. 18. So, it's like... I, I, you were, when we walked out, when we were driving home from the theater, uh, Ethan said it was very Peter Jackson. It was, yeah. Uh huh. And I thought that was the just like the the score. Everything just seemed like it. Yeah, it was grand, and it felt like it was lead. It, it felt like it was all leading up to this. It doesn't have shaky, it, or it does have shaky cam, but it doesn't. It didn't bother me. No, but it does have like Russo Brothers aspect, but yeah. it didn't feel like a Russo Brothers film, like. If you told me that before I saw Infinity War, I'd be like, oh, that kind of sucks. But, like, walking out, I was like, man, I really, really liked it. Yeah. It, there were so many opportunities for it to go very wrong. Uh-huh. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And my expectations were very high, but I was also kind of aware of that. Mm-hmm. And although it does have its problems, in my opinion, the movie had me laughing through, like, five minutes straight. It, I was, like, sobbing by the end. The movie destroyed me. Yeah. And... Like, I care so much about these characters, and that's what's so unique about the MCU, is that this idea of, this is going to be a TV show, but we're going to tell these stories over 10 years and over feature-length films. It's such a big emotional ride, because it's so satisfying Mm -hmm. to finally see, and bittersweet, Mm -hmm. to finally see where all these stories led to, Mm -hmm. and it's it's so it's so good, and it could have been gone wrong in so many ways. By the end of the movie, all three of the plots that were going on at the same time, none of them bored me. I'd say yeah. I'd say the one like maybe the Thor ones like maybe on the second viewing, it's like yeah, it's a little mm-hmm. slow. But the second he gets, uh, they start um, they fun- start getting the uh, the hammer like he, yeah. Stormbreaker. Yeah, he Stormbreaker. smashes into Wakanda. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh my so god, dope. so good. He's like, this bring is- me Thanos. Yeah. And he runs out. <laughs> this is my friend Tree. <laughs> yeah. The if you haven't had a chance to watch this movie in like a theater, in IMAX, yes, definitely oh go God. see it because it is beautiful. And also sometimes even in my first two, how many times did I see this movie? Three, three. <laughs> the first two viewings of this movie, like I couldn't hear some lines, or some things didn't sink in because people were laughing or people were like just gasping or doing whatever. And then watching this on IMAX, like you can hear everything. And then this one part where where Drax and Magnus are like. <laughs> uh, Kick names, take ass. And it cuts to Tony Stark, and it's just his reaction shot. And it's like, I'm still like 10 seconds staying on him, and he's like, <sighs> It's so much funnier with no one laughing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, fantastic. We always fantasize, like, oh my God. Like, as early as 2014, we were like, uh-huh. oh my God, when Tony Stark banters off of Rocket Raccoon, uh-huh. I'm going to lose mm-hmm. my shit. And that specific interaction didn't happen. But so many characters, from Doctor mm-hmm. Strange with Tony Stark to, gosh, Quill with yeah. Thanos to, Black Panther with Captain America. Uh, oh my god, so many of the scenes. Thor with Groot. Oh, yeah, oh, Thor so and Rock, Groot and Rocket. It's so it mm-hmm. works so well on so many levels, and they had so many tones. They had to get Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion Lannister <laughs> makes a cameo. Yeah, talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This movie's. I think it hits all the beats. It needs to, and then some. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. I think the action's great. I think it's. I think it looks stunning. 
My favorite, like, in terms of individual characters, my favorite character in this movie for, like, the scene season and how he does is Spider-Man. Same. He oh, is, yeah. His scenes are so good. And, and like The ending with him kills. Oh, yeah. God, so depressing. Definitely. The, but what this movie does great and what all the MCU movies do, they take time for character moments. Like, there's one part in the movie... It's basically what he wanted so bad in Spider-Man Homecoming was to become an Avenger. And then when, like, uh, Tony Stark fucks over him, does, like, the fake knighting thing, yeah. and so it's like, you're all right, you're now. an Avenger now. It, like, stays on his face and does, like, the Spider-Man song, or does, like, something. No, it's the Avengers theme. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, and that's then, so cool. And then he, like, he, it just, like, stays on him, and he's got, like, the, and then he smiles. Yeah. And he stands up with the proudest smiles, yeah. and he, like... Like, you can tell he gets kind of, like, choked up. My, uh, Tom Holland's voice, a little deeper in this movie than the other movies. He's not allowed to grow up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not fair. So, uh, just the, the individual character interactions and, like, especially my favorite one is when the Guardians run into Doctor Strange. Tony and Stark. Tony Stark and, uh, Spider-Man. <laughs> what am and I supposed he, to say? Yeah. Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? <laughs> no one asks, how is Gamora? Oh, it's, oh, oh God. It's just like, first viewing, I thought they got Peter Quill. I thought they could have done Peter Quill's character better. Second viewing, I thought it was better. Because I know where the character leads. I know there's going to be more. And it's, nothing seems too out of character. And, uh. I don't know. It's just, it's a thoroughly enjoyable film, believe it or not. In case you guys haven't seen it yet, I'm yeah. going in the world and seen mm-hmm. it. So we have gone from it's a great the primarily improv Iron Man through a lot of crappy Phase 1 movies yeah. to something we never thought was possible, the first Avengers, all the way to Guardians and Phase 3, which was consistently amazing. And we are at Infinity War. We're running a little long, but if you could just make a quick point, where do you think we're heading from here? What do you think the future of the MCU is in the next year, five years? What do you think? Well, I think this next movie, part two. Well, first Ant Man and the Wasp. Ant Man and the Wasp probably be fine. But I think Captain Marvel. I think Captain Marvel Captain Marvel's probably cool. But part two is probably going to be since they killed so many Avengers off. Yeah. It's going to be a lot more small scale. I I'm very excited that to watch Me all too. the original Avengers and like, Nebula. And Nebula. Okoye. Okoye. Yay. All talk together in the same room for like the first time since. I guess they probably do it in Age of Ultron, but no, forget about yeah, that. Yeah, Hawkeye's sense. home. <laughs> oh, yeah. Imagine they're all in like, uh, what's the one headquarters in uh, upstate New York? Oh, and then, the name. What? Oh, I know what you're oh, talking yeah. about. And then that. Hawkeye just walks in with like the ankle brace because he's in house arrest. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt in my mind that the Russo brothers will knock it out of the park for part two. And uh, I think after that, we're never going to see anything as large scale in the Marvel Cinematic Universe ever in my life. Probably. No. It's... I'm so excited. Uh, And I'm excited. The MCU is definitely going to go on. And I'm excited to see new storylines with new characters that aren't as large scale. And I hope they're not as large scale. You know, I'm excited if they now that they own the Fantastic Four and X Men. Um, if they do go down that route, I would be excited to watch that, and I trust that they'll do it justice. And uh, overall, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, would recommend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think Infinity Two, Infinity War Two, whatever they decide to call it, might blow Infinity War out of the water, huh. and it's going to be incredible, and it's going to continue this epic saga of that we've never seen before and probably will never see again. 
and then they're going to scale it down and maybe they'll do one movie every year, two years, and they'll exist theoretically within the same universe. Mm-hmm. Like Tony Stark might continue to mentor Spider-Man every now and then without having to don the suit um, if he survives these next few movies. And the Guardians may continue to do what they are going to do. And we'll get smaller stories and they exist within the same universe, but they're never going to meet each other and team up again. And I think Kevin Feige has kind of outlined that that's what he wants to do. I think it's important to Kevin Feige that... Because most beautiful things have an end, so... Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important, one, uh, obviously we all... It's very personal to us, the Marvel Universe, and we all love it so much. But I think it's also important to talk about how culturally uh, significant it is and how much of an impact it has on film, on the fact that Disney owns pretty much everything that we love. And they'll own our organs soon. And uh, <laughs> hopefully. hopefully, and also this lightning in a bottle that no one can replicate. Even Disney, who's trying to replicate it with Star Wars so badly, cannot do it. And it's like it goes to show how, like, a testament to how successful the Marvel Universe was because it took its time. It was satisfying. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it made go to films. What is so fascinating about this is. I listened to it, so I was seven when Iron Man came out. I didn't, I didn't know anything about anything because I was seven. <laughs> and so, but listening to people talk about it, it's like no one cared about Iron Man. No one, like maybe people like Captain America, but no one cared about Thor. No one, no one definitely didn't care about Ant Man. Yeah, <laughs> people didn't care about the Guardians definitely. And now they're like the highlight of these films. The Guardians was the highlight of the. Which, Avengers teaser. It's just, it was, which I'd argue is a an advantage. For the franchise, because there's no expectations. With Batman, with Superman, there are expectations to those characters that do not exist with Star Lord or mm-hmm. um, they do with Spider Man, but oh, yeah. Spider-Man. otherwise, yeah. Spider Man's the biggest one. I'd say. Mm-hmm. I think that concludes our thoughts on the MCU. I am personally incredibly grateful that I've spent my life from ten to currently, and probably for a long time afterwards, enjoying these movies at least once a year, sometimes three times a year. They're almost all consistently amazing, and I'm glad we sat down to talk about it, or continue to talk about it like we do 24-7, and record it this time. So, I'm Clayton Terry. I'm Ryan Terry. And I'm Ethan Terry. And I'd like to thank Ted Ryan for our podcast art, and Anchor for making this podcast possible. Uh, We'll bring you another episode at some point, haven't figured out a schedule yet, but... Look forward to more conversations about movies, film, and all things pop culture. Have a marvelous day.